This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would create in us open hearts and then, Lord, speak to us as we listen to you through your word and by your spirit. Amen. So this is the day we begin our journey into Lent. This is the season where we attend to our life in the Lord in some very specific ways. So in a moment, the liturgy is going to extend to us an invitation. You will hear, I invite you therefore in the name of the church to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, by reading and meditating on God's holy word. Oh, these are things we do throughout the year, fasting and repentance, giving, reading, and prayer. But in this season, it's focused and it's communal. We intentionally move deeper into opening and exposing our hearts and our lives to our Lord's deeply loving and honest gaze. So we slow down so we can do business with him. We slow down too because there we will also meet the grace he has for us that might lay disguised in our unexamined pain or grief or fear, the grace that might be missed while we rush about or are swallowed up in cultural noise or dulled through distractions of all sorts. Lent is about entering the holy ground of our souls, and God wants us to attend to this. In Isaiah 58, God tells the prophet, shout with the voice of a, triumph, a trumpet. Don't hold back. This is important. A quick note about the background into which this is spoken. Scholars believe that part of, this part of Isaiah was written after the return of Israel from exile. Israel's been redeemed from Babylonian bondage, but it has not been fully restored to its former glory. Oh, it's back at home in Palestine, but that home is in shambles. And in this situation, interestingly, there's been an exponential growth of fasting. So what are they looking for in this flurry of religious activities? activity? Well, we see it in their complaint. Their complaint is that God hasn't responded the way they think he should. His approval isn't forthcoming. He hasn't acted on their behalf. But even in their complaint, we hear the problem. Their actions are not something freely given as one does in a relationship of love. This is something done, they're fasting, with expectations attached. And when those expectations are not met, God's people are angry. Like a child who hasn't gotten what they want out of a parent, they say, we have fasted and you haven't seen it. We have humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed. Oh, they're right in the literal sense that they have fasted and done all those things that accompany the fast, humbling themselves probably to the, even to the use of sackcloth and ashes. But they've gone through the motions. 
Have they truly humbled themselves? No, because there's no accompanying gestures of generosity and grace and mercy and service and love that are the overflow of genuine humility. So once he gets their attention, God calls them first to take a hard look at themselves. And his indictment to them is this. They are the as-if people. These, these people do their activities as if they are a people who want me near, God says, as if they want to be related to me, as if they want to do the right thing. He's calling them out as posers because all their religious activity is actually profoundly self-referenced and inwardly oriented. And he says, you serve your own interest. That's not relationship. And that's certainly not how relatedness to God works. So secondly, once he has their attention, they need to take a hard look at their understanding of God. Because they cannot be in relationship with God and try to manipulate him, even with religious activities, re manipulate them, him toward their own ends. That is not trust upon which the whole of the relationship with God rests. They cannot be in relationship of any kind with God and not care about what he cares about, his heart for justice, compassion, humility, love, mercy. They cannot be in a relationship with him without seeking to know his words, what he has said to them about how to live related to him and how to live related to each other. The things they do that he identifies as doing as they please are the antithesis of what matters to the heart of God. They act in violence and are quarreling. They're unconcerned for those who are burdened, oppressed, hungry, poor, and homeless. And these are their flesh and blood. These are those of their own family of faith. But then isn't that how it usually is or often works? The inconsistencies of our lives played out most often with those closest to us or those in our family of faith. In our day, in this Lent, we need, like Israel, to be about the same things. First, looking at our lives in the presence of God. To look to, to see if we are just going through the motions like Israel, to see if our witness mirrors our worship. And to face into the tender and fearful ground of having our souls laid open to his honest and loving gaze, and there to find forgiveness and healing and restoration. And secondly, we too need to learn again the Lord, specifically to learn Christ, God's powerful revelation of himself in his Son, to meet him in the Word, to sit before his cross and learn humility, and let the abundance of the love shown there shape our love, forgiveness, compassion, to shape our deep care and consideration for the needs of others the overflow of a life touched by grace and activities like, as we shall hear, almsgiving, as the prayer book says, or other acts of compassion. The state of Israel's heart and ours is too important. So shout, God says to the prophet, get my people's attention. Shout with the voice of a trumpet. Make some noise. This is too important. 
They are too important for me to leave them as they are where they are. Joel 2 has a similar, Joel, the second chapter of Joel has a similar call. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. And the call is to rend our hearts, not our garments, to return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate. This is the antithesis of the trumpet sound of Matthew 6, where hypocrites play actors at faith are blowing their own horns of self-promotion and pride. And so we start on a journey on this day into the wilderness of our souls. Under normal circumstances, we fashion disciplines that help us slow down, quiet us, help us to listen, relinquish our idols, and lay down our compulsions. And in the word, through reflection and prayer, we learn Christ again in the intimacy of his presence. Again, in these disciplines to be shaped for those amazing resurrections of God's grace in our life as we head towards Easter. Fasting is one of those disciplines, particularly highlighted in the scriptures and in this call to a holy Lent, which we shall hear in a moment. It's as one author calls a discipline of resistance are resisting the compulsions and distractions of even good things that even good things can have in our lives. There then to discover the hunger hidden underneath, the idolatry, the fear, the anger. And so we adopt this discipline of the fast and choose to refrain from such things as perhaps technology or food or alcohol or some other things so that we might enter the wilderness of our soul work. Under normal circumstances, these are our disciplines, this is our fast. But then these aren't normal circumstances. This year in the pandemic, we are already in the wilderness. This fast is not of our own choosing. Oh, we like our spiritual disciplines to be of our own making, choice, pace, and size. But this year we have been in a year-long fast a fast of having personal contact, a fast of family gatherings and celebrations, a fast of the ability to do so much that is life-giving, perhaps of even a fast of employment. Yet this is the place of our shaping, where we find so much loss and grief and disruption, where the theft of our shalom has been daily, where our margins are used up and we find ourselves angry and frustrated. This is also the holy ground of God's working. This Lent, perhaps we pay closer attention to the hungers and pain and grief this fast has surfaced. We do our Lenten listening related to this. Doing the same things we might if our fast were more of our own choosing. Entering the pay attention patterns of slowing down by taking daily time, reflecting, keeping Sabbath. The listening patterns of prayer and quiet, the learning patterns of learning Christ again as we read and reflect on God's holy word as we encounter his mercy and healing and provision. And then moving out again out of the overflow of grace in our lives, perhaps doing some act of service 
or compassion, some attempt at reconciliation and restoration. And finding in the whole of this hard and messy process, grace revealed in ways we may never have imagined. Deuteronomy 8, in this passage, God says to his people, I led you into the wilderness. Yes, I let you hunger, but I fed you. I fed you with something you could never have imagined or conjured up or conceived of, not even on your radar screen of possibility. It's called manna. See, God's goodness and grace are ever creative, ever abundant, ever life-giving, ever surprising. And listen to the goodness and grace he held out to Israel if they would enter into the hard work of repentance and return. He says in Isaiah 58, Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, Here I am. The Lord will guide you continually, satisfy your needs in parched places, and make your bones strong. And he who shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, who wa whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. It is a glorious hope, a gracious hope. One of the things that makes this Lenten season different from some of the times of the year when we practice this kind of attentiveness in self-examination, fasting, prayer, reading, and the like, is that it's communal. We're doing it together. Each day I can arise knowing that my brothers and sisters are with me before their Lord, asking his gracious work. I know it will cost them. It will, be, they, it will have dark and hard moments for them too. And it will also have glimpses of amazing grace and moments of peace and joy. And together we can trust that the God who is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, has us all in his hands. So let's hold, uh, hold one another up before him. And together, in his gracious hands, let's move to Easter. Amen.